0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Coming to you live on a weekly basis in the offseason. It's the Believe in the Southside boys. I'm Steve-O. You can find me on Twitter at SocksFan and joining me, as always, my beloved co-host, probably more beloved than myself, (laughs) Gary. Steve, what's going
1: on? Um, I don't think I'm more beloved than you. I think I'm more hated than you on Twitter. But
0: um, depends on who you ask.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent, it depends on who you ask. But uh, it's your boy, that baseball fan on Twitter. It's Kerry. Um, I'm excited for this episode, Steve. You approached me with, you know, should we should we have this guy on, you know, for one of our guests, and it was an immediate yes. So I'll let you introduce uh, our guest here.
0: Absolutely. I mean, this guy really needs no further introduction. He, uh, on, on our old podcast, uh, my old podcast, I should say, which I still do work with, the Sons of Honarchy, we called him our official, unofficial minor league correspondent. Um, this is a guy that uh, has done so much work in regard to covering prospects for our Chicago White Sox um, throughout the years. Um, This is a guy that I've been talking to about the White Sox since the rebuild has been happening. Uh, This is a guy who lives right down in White Sox minor league country. It's the guy that's hosted me, gotten me very bourbon drunk, and let me sleep uh, in the same bedroom uh, that former White Sox minor leaguers have spent months in. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Dan Victor. Dan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for... uh having me on guys I really appreciate hey we appreciate you taking the time out of your day it's another hour later for you um, than it is for us here in the Chicagoland area Um, you are in currently North Carolina correct
2: correct Asheville North Carolina Asheville
0: (laughs) North Carolina Um, and you know you are a guy that you know not only you know follows the White Sox and and follows this minor league system, but you are you are entrenched in this minor league system. Can you tell us a little bit more about your experience in not only covering the you know the system, but also just being a part of it? Actually,
2: well, I came down to North Carolina. I used to work at a demolition company up there on the South Side of Chicago, uh, Brandenburg Industrial Services Company, right there on the South Side. Um, but they traveled me all over the country tearing down big industrial buildings and whatnot. And I came down to North Carolina in 2015. And I don't know if you remember how bad the team was then, 2015, 2016, 2017. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, the only thing to look forward to at that point in time was the minor leaguers. So, uh, And I was right there near Kannapolis where the the low A team plays. And I started um, just paying attention to these guys that were coming through because – I wanted to find the silver lining you know when we had these 100 loss teams and i was like uh oh and also they were one of the few teams that did not have a uh milb tv uh feed so um nobody knew who these guys were couldn't even see them on milb tv if you were an avid fan so uh i started just kind of live tweeting about them and uh I noticed that some of the ballplayers, uh, parents started following me. So I'd send them pictures of their kids and tell them how their kid looked on the field. And, and I ended up becoming friends with a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of minor league uh, parents. And then I, you know, I started uh, writing about the kids and my wife and I became boosters for the team, which, uh, that's a host family. We sponsored an apartment, you know? Uh, so after the ball games, we take the kids out to dinner, um, You know, we had a couple of the guys over at the house. It's been very rewarding, and it was fun to, you know, help those guys because the conditions in the minor leagues are kind of shitty. They don't make a whole lot of money. They don't get – they're not exposed to the conditions that our major leaguers are exposed to. So, you know, anything we can do to give them a support system when they're away from family and friends, we like to do. So uh, we've been doing that since uh, 2016
0: that's incredible and and one thing dan about this show that is you know you've been with me before on on sons of honarchy but this is a little bit more of an interactive show where we like to you know let the guests you know that come in and watch us live comment and we pop up their comments um you know there's some really funny comments so far about you know you being in uh in, in demolition here um you know the question, you know, you moving from Chicago to North Carolina, are you in witness protection? Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> he's he's pleading the fifth. He's pleading the band, the fifth. Yeah. I love this. I love this. Um, you know, apparently great, you may, you may have uh, inadvertently yeah. covered up bodies uh, for Sammy Davis Jr.'s uncles in the <laughs> union. So <laughs> this is already really good. You should add this on your resume.
2: Very good. Sounds great. <laughs>
0: Well, one another comment from Sammy Davis Jr. that I, I'm going to hop right into because this is the, the, the focal point of our conversation today. And I'm, I know you probably strongly disagree with this comment. If he's talking about all our good prospects, then this should be a quick show. Dan, would you like to clap back at our guy, Sammy Davis Jr. on that one?
2: He's not 100 percent wrong. This is a bottom third of the league uh, farm system, and it's very um, top heavy. As far as uh, what we have, you know, after the top thirty, it's kind of a throw darts at a name um, at the names of all the guys in the system, and there's a whole bunch of interchangeable parts, and there's guys that can pop up. And but as far as the the top ten, I, I'd say that's pretty pretty solid. We got some really interesting players.
0: A thousand percent, yeah. And I like that you mentioned top heavy, you know, and I, I think that's something to think about is when especially when I started to really follow this farm system, I felt really good. Like when the Sox were in the top three in major league baseball in regard to their farm, I was excited about the guys in, in, in the late teens and the early twenties on the list. Right. And now it's like, I'm, I'm kind of like who, um, w- let me ask you this, uh, of those top tier guys then. So we got, we got Colson Montgomery in particular, you know, that's right up at the top. Tell me what you're seeing with Colson Montgomery because from everything that's in my ear so far, it's like this dude's the truth. He really is. Um, You know, the knock on him when he got
2: drafted was that he was older for a high school senior, which is absurd when you think about it. You know, (laughs) (laughs) high school senior and he's six, eight months older than other high school seniors. On a grand scale, what does that mean? If he moves along in the system quickly, he quickly will be under par age for the level in which he's playing mm-hmm. and that is exactly how he's moving along you know he's younger than par at double a when he was in birmingham he was younger than par at uh, high A when he was at winston-salem and he has uh, played extremely well i was expecting him to be a slower burn prospect because he didn't really he was not one of those uh perfect game showcase kids you know he wasn't traveling the country playing in all the top tournaments. He was a, uh, he was a high school baseball player in Indiana. I think he played on team Indiana. Um, but he wasn't one of those elite travel ball play 110 games a year. You know, he was a football player. He was, a uh, he was a basketball player, a very good basketball player. So, uh, but he was more like your typical, you know, three sport high school athlete. And I thought it would be an adjustment for him, you know, to deal with elite pitching. And, uh, I saw him the first series in Kannapolis last year, and, uh, you know, he had amazing strike zone judgment, like, beyond his years. And that's something you can't teach, and you see a lot of, uh, you know, high school players especially, they're used to obliterating, you know, guys that throw 80 miles an hour, you know, but then all of a sudden you got guys from college that are four years older, and they're throwing, you know, everything is 92, 93 you know, some guys touching ninety-eight. You know, top of the charts velo, and uh, then they're throwing off-speed that these guys have never seen before. And uh, you know, a lot of guys are chasing that slider because it looks like a fastball out of hand. And uh, you know, Montgomery does not chase. He doesn't miss in the zone, and um, and he's extremely, extremely mature. Um, a lot of guys get buried in failure when you're a perfect game all-star you know travel the country you played in all these showcase events um you know and you've been rated top 10 in your draft class for a couple of years well you're not used to failing and then you right. get in the, you get in the minors and and you know it's the great equalizer when you got these college kids from d1 schools throwing to you they might have been you know not the best d1 guy but he's still way better than anybody you ever faced in your high school Mm -hmm. And they're blowing you out of the water. And these guys, you know, they get buried in failure. They're, you know, dropping F-bombs, beating the bat on the back of the dugout wall. And they've never seen, you know, going 0-for-12 in a series with six or seven strikeouts. You know, they're used to hitting 500 with a couple bombs. Mm -hmm. And uh, Colson takes things in stride, extremely mature, Um, very professional. I think he was completely gassed at the end of the season, which sucked because, um, you know, that's when he got moved up to Birmingham for Project Birmingham. Um, it was good that you know the way they had that rotation set up as far as uh, their playing time. They had so many top prospects moved up that they didn't make them play every day, so he could get a li- you know get a little win. But um, but yeah, he he did extremely well, and and he he went from that first series I told you he wasn't making great contact, and then like I saw him after he. Uh, fractured his finger he got hit on the on the pinky when uh it was like a, a swinging foul ball it hit him off the pinky and he missed like a couple weeks and when he came back he was like a house on fire and he was barreling everything so yeah i'm very impressed with colson montgomery i don't think he's gonna stick at shortstop long term
0: i was just about to ask you that you know we drafted him slotted at a shortstop but you're not thinking long term he's he's playing there
2: i don't I don't think so, um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know. I said Beau Bichette wasn't going to stick at shortstop, and he's still hanging at shortstop, so maybe I'll be wrong on this one too.
0: Fair, fair, yeah. I mean, he's got a bigger build, if I'm not mistaken, right, Dan? Like he's not <laughs> like your prototypical like smaller, maybe shortstop that you know that we've seen a lot in the league in the past. Yeah, he's a tall know. kid. Absolutely, absolutely.
1: And I believe he was a, a very good basketball player too. So
0: he he was a really
2: good basketball player.
0: Yeah. So I mean, I sky's the limit. It sounds like for this guy, and I'm I'm really excited. I you know obviously he's still probably got what do you think in here, Dan? Probably two more years in the system. Um,
2: probably yeah, two more years before he gets a, a shot. But who knows? I mean, he's got to develop some power. Uh, I mean, he's got the power, but you know. He's got to bring it to the game. He's got some raw, and he's going to have to, you know, get it out in the game where he's going to hit 20, 20 plus bombs in a year. And uh, it's there, and he's going to get stronger too. It's there. It's I think it'll materialize more this season,
0: for sure, for sure. Well, I'm looking forward to watching his development because from what we've seen off off the jump, it's fantastic. Um, and I, it's good to think about maybe you know toward the end there in Birmingham, he was just a little gassed. Um, because that is yeah it's long it's a long arduous season for him um let's talk about a guy who's not as young uh, and <laughs> did not come from indiana uh, and we'll probably see this year in the major on the major league level oscar colas um d- right. tell me yeah, go, yeah oh gosh is <laughs> oscar colas untradeable uh nobody Dan, nobody's ever untradeable fair enough fair enough um, there was apparently a comment that was made about Romy Gonzalez being untradeable, but. <sighs> um,
2: Cola, I had bad luck seeing Colas when I would go see Winston, he was not in the lineup. Then when I went back and saw Winston, he had just moved up to, uh, to Birmingham. So I didn't get any live looks at Colas. I just heard from his teammates, you know, that they think he's legit. I talked to uh, Andy Barquette, who is the White Sox minor league hitting coordinator. Cause uh, I wrote a story about uh, coach in the offseason, and uh, he he says he's going to be an impact player in the big leagues, and I I trust in Andy Barquette.
0: Fair, fair. And I here's the thing. It, even the projections, uh, I saw his early Zips projections, and they're for a guy who's – I mean, he is older. Don't get me wrong. It's not like we're calling up a 21-year-old rookie. Um, he is older, but the numbers were eye-popping. I mean, this guy was slated to hit above league average. Um, Are you seeing that out of Oscar Colas this season, Dan? And uh, let me ask even another question. Does he make the opening day roster? Or do you think they kind of do a little service time manipulation despite his age?
2: I don't think they're going to do the uh, service time manipulation because of his age and because of where they're at in the contention window. If they want to – if he – doesn't completely face plant and like look overwhelmed in spring training. I think he'll, he'll crack the team and head up north with the, with the guys because uh, I mean, he doesn't have a whole lot to prove. You know, Charlotte isn't exactly a proving ground for hitters. He's going to obliterate, you know, that ballpark. And I mean, he could put up monster numbers for a month and then get called up. But uh, I don't think it would be to anybody's benefit really.
0: No, absolutely. And may, like, again, if we're talking about a 21 year old and, and we're talking about service time manipulation or a guy who, you know, you know, hasn't proven it yet, then like, for example, the Andrew Vaughn situation, right? I thought they called up Vaughn too early, but then again, they were like, okay, we're we're sold on him. Like he's, we think he's ready. You know, Colossus 25 going on 26, if I'm not mistaken, right? I think so, he's
2: 24 pushing 25.
0: Oh, 24 pushing 25. Okay still i mean we're talking about you know why would you have service time manipulation with a guy who's in his prime years technically as an athlete right Um, exactly
2: and you know what he did last year i mean he came over to you know full season baseball after you know he was after covid year and all that and he was kind of lightly played he got used to this really long schedule he got three different levels in the same season well he's adjusting to you know our culture is different. Our baseball culture is different. He's making all these adjustments and he's just hitting and hitting and hitting all the way up. And he didn't slow down one step of the way. So I, I have to think he's ready.
0: For sure. for Well, sure. was that
1: carry? I you there. I'd hope so. You know, looking at it, he is going to be 25 in September, you know? So, I mean, at least he's got a while till he is 25, you know, but, uh, To have service time manipulation for a guy like that when you need a right fielder as bad as you do so that you don't have Gavin Sheets playing right field, I I hope they don't play games.
0: Or Aloy in right field. And i got to ask you about that, Dan. There's a lot of talk about Aloy still playing corner outfield. Is there something that says that he's going to be a viable option in corner outfield that I'm not seeing? Because I'm team Aloy to DH.
2: I love the bat. I think you know. I think he's an impact player for sure. I thought he would be the Juan Soto of the American League um, when he got called up. You know, he's been uh, unfortunately kind of kind of fragile. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know about him sticking in the corner. But do you really want to relegate you know early twenty-year-old guys to full-time DH? But the game the game has also evolved with DHs in both leagues. So I. Mm-hmm. I- I, it just seems unconventional to have such a young full-time DH, especially when he wants to play in the field.
0: For sure, and I kind of point to the Houston Astros, and I know it's a different situation, and they've got much more depth than the White Sox do. But think about Jordan Alvarez, right? This is a guy who was slotted. I mean, Eloy Jimenez is, uh, you know, his prospect ratings for, you know, hitting and and. Not so much power. They were pretty even in power, but like their hit tool. <laughs> well, he had a much better hit tool than, than Jordan. And I look at what Jordan Alvarez has developed into. And, and he's basically a full-time DH at this point. I mean, they're not especially in crucial situations, they're not going to stick him in left field. Um, and I think the White Sox got to start going down that path. I, and I know they haven't totally solidified the depth in the outfields. You know, Andrew Benintendi is a solid signing, in my opinion. But yeah, I, why, why would you risk injury is where I'm at with Aloy when, when it's proven time and time again that keeping him on his feet and keeping him on the field is, is a detriment to his health.
2: I can't argue with you.
0: (laughs) Fair. Gary?
1: I'm with you. I mean, it just makes zero sense. So keep him at DH. I don't care how old he is. You know, I mean, when did Frank Thomas even start at DH? I think later in his 20s, I want to say. Like later, like 28, 29 probably. I mean, I would rather have that bat in that lineup every single day than, you know, for 120 games. If he plays and gets hurt, so that's even pushing it. I think 120 is more than he's played,
0: yeah, yeah. I I, well, I think what that one year he had like 130 games played or something, right? That uh, 2019, yep, yep, 2019. You know, speaking of guys who have been stuck in corner outfield that probably shouldn't be stuck in corner outfield, let's talk about the guy who. You've gifted me with with an autographed ball of him, too, uh, Dan. Still, you know, sitting in my prized possessions right now. Sir Andrew Vaughn. Um, Ooh, that's a guy, cool. a guy, yes, one of the best gifts I've ever gotten, so thank you, Dan. Um, we're talking about a guy who, in 21, had a below-league-average OPS, right? You know, he's still a rookie, still figuring things out at the plate. He made a jump from single-A. Ball, high A ball to the major leagues um, with nothing in between. Um, then we see a guy last year who with, you know, I mean, you could say there was lineup protection, but there really wasn't, still hits above league average in regard to, um, you know, weighted runs created or OPS plus. Do you see, there was like a 20 point jump. I think he went from 91 to 111 in regard to OPS plus. Do you see that same kind of jump for Andrew Vaughn this season, Dan?
2: Yes, 100%. I'm on board with Andrew Vaughn breaking out in a huge way. I even tweeted something this offseason. I said, that I think he could go 300, 3100 this year.
0: Ooh, I this, love.
2: this is the guy that, you know, this is the guy we've been waiting for. And now he's playing his natural position. I mean, think about what they asked him to do. You know, he skipped over uh, A, skipped over A came up uh, what after the covet season um then they stick him oh, on the job training at the highest level you know in right field um, he's not an outfielder um, and now he's gonna be in a natural position he's comfortable he's got learning experience with the you know a couple seasons under his belt this is he's gonna i think he's gonna blow up and go off
0: I love that I love that. I'm glad that you feel that as well, because that, that I get the same feeling. I get the absolute same feeling. I mean, to see that, that progression last year and and now he doesn't have to play corner outfield. He's at his natural position, as you said. Um, and, and there isn't that drama, like there was a little bit of drama in regard to like, Oh, like where does Andrew Vaughn fit in this lineup? Like it, we know his fit now. and, and, that's not to say that the White Sox still could have paid up for Jose Abreu to be, you know, you know, swapping off time or that the money could have been spent elsewhere. But I I really like this for Andrew Vaughn. And I think this is his time as well. Um, Yeah, carrie I got to I, I got I to gotta go here. Who, Dan, do you think has, you know, you said Andrew Vaughn having a big breakout year. Do you see anybody else having a huge breakout year for this White Sox team? Is it going to be Luis? Is it going to be Aloy? Is it going to be Johan Moncada coming back and having a resurgence? Like, who do you see in this ball club really doing what they need to do?
2: I think, see, t- I think they're all on, they all seem to be on board, at least in front of the, the media. They all seem to be on board in a, on the Pedro Express and I think that just that energy level and plus the disappointment of last season plus can we have this horrible injury luck three years in a row is it I mean that's beyond bad luck what we experienced as Sox fans with the injuries the last t- two years can it happen three years in a row um I mean I suppose it could but I would have to say the odds are actually in their favor for the stars to align in a positive way rather than how they have aligned in a negative way for the last two years. So I think just guys um, performing to the level that we know they can, you know, they can perform, it's going to happen. I think, I think Moncada is going to be greatly improved. I think Aloy is going to be better because he's going to, he's going to play more this season. I don't think he's going to get, I mean, I can't predict injuries, but like I said, but just the law of averages, I would hope that, he can be on the field for 120 games this year. Um, and the guys seem to have taken their conditioning um, seriously in the off-season. I think they got a chip on their shoulder after, you know, national publications saying they're going to be a 500 team. I mean, if you look at that lineup and the pitching staff, the starting rotation, there's no way they should be a 500 team. I mean, it seems inconceivable to possibly have them be below 500 or a 500 team.
0: Gary, do you feel the same way?
1: I mean, last week I said they were going to win like 82, 83, 84. So technically I I agree with Dan. They're not going to be a 500 team. They'll probably be a little bit better. Um, You know, I I hope that Dan's correct here where like we finally get a season with no injuries because if that does happen, Right. That's where I take into account with all this. If there is no injuries, right, minor injuries, then you're looking at a team that can win 88 to 90 something games easily with the talent they have on the team. I could not agree more, but you know, in recent years, we've seen guys play 50 games, 60 games, 70 games, 80 games, and it's tough to guarantee that they're not going to get hurt. So that's why I think a lot of people are more down on them than they are, you know, more positive about them. Absolutely. The topic.
0: (laughs) <laughs> For sure. I mean, one thing that we've done uh, on this podcast is be extremely critical of Rick Hahn and, and how this offseason has gone so far, Dan. I mean, do you think that everything's good and, and there's enough talent on the field to like, is there enough? Let, let me put it this way. Han said that they're in a window of contention. Is there enough talent on the field to contend in your opinion?
2: I think so. I mean, they obviously don't spend like a lot of the other teams have spent. I mean, the Blue Jays look like they're going to be a juggernaut team. Um, you know, the Yankees always spend money. Uh, it's going to be hard to beat some teams, but I I don't see them. I'm not, I, I sound like such a homer, but, man, I really think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think there's going to be an issue there.
0: Okay. So division title or even fighting for a wild card spot. Do you see them right now, like Vegas odds have them at almost two to one to win the division? Mm -hmm. You are you saying like (laughs) if you're a betting man, do you throw down on that? You're just like, oh yeah, White Sox win the title at like plus 190.
2: I would take the Sox. I don't I mean, there's no juggernaut in their division.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. But for a world championship, that's a that's another conversation here as our guy Brian is is commenting here
2: just have to get to the playoffs first then hopefully uh hopefully everything works out.
0: You're right. 2019 Nationals, right? I mean, just get to the playoffs, you know, f- scratch claw, bite your way to the playoffs and and pray everything goes well. Um you know, I was looking, you know, Dan you you wrote an article and and I know you do some work for Prospects 1500. Um and you wrote an article about your top-ranked White Sox prospects. Um, so I wanted to ask you, you know, on that list, you know, there's some some you did like tier one guys, which was just you know Colos and, and Montgomery, and then your tier two guys, which were you know a list of guys you know below them. Of those tier two guys, do you see any of those tier two guys making an immediate like? Or making a significant impact for the 2023 Chicago White Sox?
2: Um, Well, I think I'm trying to remember who my tier two guys were. <laughs> I know I had Sosa Ramos. Um, Sosa Ramos. Was Sean Burke in that group? Sean Burke
0: before? was in that group.
2: Hey, I wasn't sure what the cutoff was, but Sean Burke, I think, has a good chance of pitching in the big leagues this year. You know, uh, fifth yeah. star. Seems to be kind of a, a current question mark. Um, he's a really talented kid, um, okay. and uh, he throws hard. He's got good breaking stuff. That's another kid with the the right attitude. He takes uh, he takes the he takes everything very seriously as far as his uh, his training and his uh, his maturity. He doesn't let the game eat him up when things are going bad. Um, at least not. He might do it inwardly, but he's not gonna. Uh, act like a knucklehead and you know rip down the bat rack when he comes (laughs) in uh but yeah i I can definitely see him getting some big league time and uh and hopefully performing well i'm a big sean burke guy and that's also another extremely talented white Sox minor league basketball player really yes he he tells me that uh he says he's pretty sure he could take colson so uh
0: okay Okay. And right. that would be a fun one on one to watch. Yeah,
2: that'd, that'd be just great when you see two top prospects in the White Sox organization blow their ankles out playing pickup basketball.
0: Also true. Also true. Well, one guy in your tier two, I do want to mention this one too, was, um, I'm trying to remember, is Nick, I, I want to say it's, is it, is it Pop, uh, Popeye or, right? Jose, uh, Rodriguez. Jose, Jose Rodriguez, Popeye. So tell me what you think about Jose Rodriguez. He's actually your number three, he was your top of your tier two dude i could really make an argument for being for him being number 1 um he's
2: he's unbelievably talented with the bat he's super twitchy super twitchy athlete he's very fast um very quick wrists very quick hands his only issue is he likes to swing the bat and that's a that's a lot of the um it's a saying you know amongst the, the dominican ball players you know they say that you have to hit your way uh, to AAA and then walk mm-hmm in the major leagues so they don't you know they don't they don't they they don't like to uh they have to hit their way off the island they don't like to take a lot of pitches because they you know they want to show you what they can do with the bat so he's very aggressive um and some of the swing decisions he makes are questionable but he's got amazing bat to ball skills low k rate low walk rate but he hits the off fields he can barrel it up and hit it very hard um, loves to play baseball too. I mean, he is just, he's a real dirt bag. He loves to play ball. I'm, <laughs> I'm a huge Popeye Rodriguez fan.
0: It's good to hear. And as you can see, we lost carry for a hot second, but we're going to, we're going to keep this train rolling. He said he's, he texted me and he said he froze, but he'll be back on in a minute. All right. Um, before carry got on and even though he's off right now, I got to ask again. Um, we were talking a little bit about Noah Schultz. Uh, we're talking about you know a 19-year-old kid uh, playing rookie ball so far. Um, wh- what are you seeing in Noah Schultz that maybe others are not,
2: Dan? I think Noah Schultz is going to be amazing.
0: Um, he's... You got a huge smile on your face while you're saying that, by the way. I just want people who listen to this after on the podcast airwaves, I want them to know that you said that with just a huge grin on your face.
2: When I talked to uh, J.J. Lally, who is the socks uh, area scout that signed noah schultz you know you could tell just by his voice that he was doing cartwheels over being able to get noah schultz he had a super strong vanderbilt commitment um they weren't sure what it was going to take money wise to sign him um they were comparing him to some college arms that they thought would maybe be they they liked these college arms but they Last year was a bad year for college pitching because a lot of the top guys blew their elbows out. There was a whole bunch of guys that had Tommy John surgery. Yep. Um, so they were comparing them to guys that they thought, like, profiled as number three or number four starters, and they said – and JJ told me flat out, he thinks that in a handful of years that Noah Schultz could be a homegrown face of the rotation. And he told me that in his, in his peak, he can see him developing – Three seventy grade pitches, and that's just the kind of stuff that Hall of Famers are made of. Yep,
0: yep, absolutely. I mean, when you say homegrown face of the rotation, I mean the first person that comes to mind, and and maybe it's his build, but it's Chris Sale, right? I he mean, are gets, you saying that's a ceiling, right? I mean he gets
2: a ton of Chris Sale and Randy Johnson comps because of the the build, the height, uh the lefty. Because, you know, the lefty, uh, he's got that low three-quarters delivery. But, I, you know, I talked to his, his pitching coach that's been training him since he was 14 years old, and uh he just – his coach loves him. And this isn't like I was telling you before we even got on. His coach isn't just, you know, the Oswego high school coach or something that, you know, mm-hmm. wagons to future major leaguer that got drafted from his program. This guy worked for Tom House. His name is Mark Sheehan. He worked for tom house for 12 years um tom house is the guy who you know opened the door and helped randy johnson become the big unit he's the guy who would help nolan ryan figure out how to throw strikes when he switched from the mets to the angels um he's a Sheehan is like a a biomechanics expert you know he knows a lot about he he emphasizes arm health and uh and I talked to Noah's father as well. And he said, you know, that they really had great trust in coach Sheehan and the way that he uh, developed him. And he said that he always put his long-term development and health above all else. And I don't think we're getting some kid, you know, that threw 140 pitches in a, in a high school game, and it's going to blow out, you know, his first start in the, you know, double a or something. I think that just so many positive signs. Now, mind you, if you, Read Sports Illustrated. Tom Verducci wrote an article about six or seven years ago about how bad high school pitchers perform when used uh, first-round capital on them. I mean, it's a huge failure rate for high school pitchers. Mm-hmm. But I think that Schultz is the kind of guy that can buck these odds.
0: All right, that's a hey, that's great to hear, especially you know, White Sox spent or you used uh, the twenty-sixth overall pick on this guy. Right. So, you know, fingers crossed all the best. And you know, it's, it's fantastic to hear the, uh, the the ceiling is very high for this guy. Um, very,
2: very high ceiling.
0: Most definitely. Um, one quick question I have for you. And I, I know it's just because of, of, of things that I've heard about him and how the White Sox are really bought into him, but he was a little bit lower on your list, um, in, in your tier three, what was Norhe Vera? Um, I, w- I wanted to ask you what you've seen because I you know I there's a there's a guy that Carrie and I both know, Alex Rude um and and he's he has some unnamed people in, in the White Sox organization that he stays in in connection with and you know I've always mentioned I was like Norhe Vera put him on the trade block like I mean like package him up with something he's like Norhe Vera is going nowhere. What do you see in Norhe Vera? What's the disconnect? I mean, I know you've got you've even got Matthew Thompson on your list higher than him, so I was curious to see what you saw in him versus you know what what's what's still got to be worked on.
2: I saw two Norhe Veras. All right, um, when he came up, when, when he when he came up to Canapolis from uh, you know the the complex, he came in and he was throwing. Effortless 97 and touching, he touched a hundred. He was throwing, it was effortless too. It looked, I mean, it was, yeah, smooth. And I'm like, wow, this guy is a real deal. And then I remember I watched a handful of his starts and I was like, wow, man, this kid is, he's going to be something else. He's hell on wheels. And they didn't really touch him at low a, but uh, all the, you know, they, they babied him. His workload was ridiculously light. They were trying to make sure that they kept him healthy He never went more than four innings. I think he might've went 4.2 once. Um, But I think every, every start was like three innings, 50 pitches, and he was pretty much done for the day. Um, You know, and I hated it because a lot of times when they would yank him, it was gut check time. You know, he's, you know, it's the third inning. He's got one out. He's got two guys on base. I'm like, I want to see him get through this guy and see, you know, see if he can finish off the inning. But, you know, obviously the, they're thinking long-term and they want to make it sure that he's contributing in the big leagues, not that he's blowing his arm out, it, trying to finish the fourth inning in a meaningless low A game. But uh, that drove me nuts, you know, watching, watching them yank him in pressure situations when I was thinking this just would be good. Just let him have this one guy, you know, bases jam, two outs. Let's, let's get through the inning. But um, when he, right before he moved up, all of a sudden that 97 like dipped precipitously he was throwing like 91 92 and it looked like he was laboring to get it that hard and it was like man i don't know what's wrong with vera but um i don't know it could have been dead arm he doesn't have a lot of innings pitched you know in the minors and stuff and uh but i was like man you know so i'm just if we get the vera that came to Canapolis last year you know throwing 97 free and easy um with developing secondaries i think you know It'll be he'll move up the list significantly. But if we get the guy that, you know, with the dead arm that was throwing ninety-one, ninety-two, well then it makes him a lot, a lot more hittable.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. That checks out. Um moving on, I, I, I gotta ask you what I think is one of your favorite questions every time I, I've had you on a podcast. Who are your sleepers, Dan? Who are the guys that don't make lists? Who are the guys that you just have seen that you see the world in, that nobody else you know might not be seeing right now? I don't. I wouldn't say that he, he's going to make the list for people, but
2: um, I'm a huge. Oh shoot, sorry, I dropped he's you. Good. <laughs> um, I'm a big Jordan Sprinkle fan. He was their fourth round pick. Okay. Here. And uh, Jordan Sprinkle, um, their scouts, they had first round follows on him. Um, and then he kind of, uh, he he regressed a little bit with the bat um, in his draft season. And uh, because of that, you know, he fell to the fourth round. I think the Sox were thrilled. This kid is the best defensive shortstop I've ever seen in the minor leagues. He is absurd. He's got range. He's got twitch. He's got speed. He's got a hose. He looks like a little Ozzy Smith. Um, Damn. But, and he's super high energy. I mean, his He's uniform's dirty after the first inning because he's diving for balls in the hole. Um, he's always high fiving everybody, hugging all his teammates. He's just a super rah uh, rah team guy. Um, and if his bat, if his bat catches up to the glove, I mean, I think his glove and speed are going to get him to the big leagues. But if the bat catches up, you know, that's what's going to determine what his ultimate ceiling is. But I, I think he's going to be good enough to, to play in the big leagues. Just with his bat and glove.
0: That's awesome. Jordan Sprinkles, uh, where was he last year?
2: Canapolis. Um, he got to Canapolis. Um, he was last year.
0: Okay. Okay. Good deal. Gary, I've been asking all the questions. I'm going to pass it over to you, by the way.
1: Yeah, I just had a few here, just about a couple guys. And, and one guy that comes to mind, and I don't know if I missed it when my internet decided to shit on me once again, is a guy that's been on. St- he's listed on some top hundred prospect lists and sometimes he's not. So, um, Brian, Brian Ramos, um, this guy seems pretty interesting to me. I mean, what's the deal with, uh, Brian Ramos?
2: He's a stud and he got appreciably better last year. I mean, he took off out of the gates, just like a house on fire. And, you know, he's a young kid. He was only, I think he was 20 last year and, uh, yeah. you know, when you get deep into a season and you're 20 years old that, you know, you start to fade. So he, he faded toward the end, but, but yeah, man, his bat is legit. He's got some big, big juice in the bat and uh, he can, he can play some defensive third. Um, he played some second. He's, he looked like the real deal when he was in Canapolis and he just got better last year.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at his stats, too. It looks like he had a pretty damn good year. And, you know, I just, you know, when you see guys that are in some of the top hundreds and, you know, some that are out, it's always like, okay, so they're clearly, you know, on that cusp. And I'm sure when people graduate, you know, out of the uh, farms, out of the top hundred, he'll probably, you know, make his way into the top hundreds. Um, But he was just someone, you know possibly could be, you know, a big future piece for this team. He's only 20. So, Um, and then my other question was just about another guy that is, is, you know, mentioned as a, you know, you can't trade him and, you know, he's, he's better than, you know, Norhe Vera is is, um, Christian mania. Um, I've heard a lot about this guy that he can throw absolute
2: gas. Um, Have you seen him play and, you know, what's the outlook on him? I've seen him play and I've never seen him throw a huge fastball. I've seen, like when he dominates, it always looked like the starts I've seen him pitch really well. He was uh, dominating with a big curveball. Oh, really? Um, yeah, but I've heard people say that he can bring it. And, uh, but yeah, I remember him with putting a lot of 92s and 91s on my gun. And, but he's young as hell, too. Um, he was one of the youngest pitchers in Double A when he got promoted uh, to uh, Pro- uh, Project Birmingham. So, you know, he's going to get some arm strength
0: just from maturity yeah and size as well so he is currently listed on the minor league website as 62170 i can only imagine as a 20 year old so i can only imagine i'm just thinking about my body at 20 compared to where i'm at at 28 and i'm not hitting the weight room okay like and i'm already kind of putting on some some natural weight here so um
2: oh, is but i do remember when your main was at uh at high eight, and your main was built like your main is currently built, and they had him listed at 175 pounds. On the- <laughs> <laughs> so, the so main is- weight is probably wrong, but uh, but you never know. Sometimes they're accurate, but a lot of times they're like, Whoa, he's a few, uh, he's had a few biscuits since they put this on the team media guy, you know?
0: <laughs> no, for sure. At 170 would be unreal. I think I'm clocking in still under 170 um if that tells you anything so i doubt he's that thin especially at 6-2 and pumping pumping heat possibly i don't know like you said his fastball hasn't been the standout for him but maybe Not, he's still
2: but i've read some of the national writers saying that you know he was throwing really hard when they saw him but then again like i said if some of the national writers might have seen uh there when the fastball was way down in the tank like i told you uh Versus when he first got to Kannapolis as well. You know, it just depends on when you, when you got to see these guys.
0: Most definitely. Most definitely. Well, Dan, first and foremost, I want to say thank you so much for giving us your time. I yeah. I know this is, you know, 45 minutes ish that we're, we're rolling here. And we usually do a half hour podcast, but Carrie and I have agreed, you know, when we've got a very worthy guest, we are going to go well over half an hour. You know, we had Herb Lawrence on from uh, formerly with 670, the score now with CHGO White Sox um, on last week. We've got you on this week and hopefully we keep the, the the worthy guest list rolling and we don't have more, you know, Jordan Miller's and beer garden gyms. Um, <laughs> sorry, I got to throw my guys under the bus. Um, But I I do kind of want to cap off with with this question, Dan, is, you know, everybody kind of wants everybody else's prediction of how the White Sox season is going to go. So I got to I got to put you on the spot here. White Sox 2023 with their current roster construction. No trades, nothing, nothing in the woodwork right now. You know, spring training's right on, right on the precipice. You know, we're here, we're here. Spring training's happening and ball games are about to be played. Exhibition games. Where do you see the 2023 White Sox going record wise, you know, into the division, into possibly playoffs, at least from the way you're making it sound. I'm going 92 and 70.
2: I love the optimism. You know, I'm not I mean, I've come across as very optimistic in this podcast, but I really think they could they could go 92 and 70 and it would be it wouldn't be a stretch. I
0: I think that's a fan. I'm I need that. I need that energy in my life, Dan, because I'm surrounded by pessimists like Carrie over wrong direction, that direction all the time. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kind of a pessimist as well. And I think it's just because I'm so, like, here in Chicago, the sports media, the <laughs> the way in which this this team has conducted the offseason, you know, that, that's what's in the forefront of our minds. But I'm glad that, you know, you're giving us kind of a more rounded perspective here. Um, and I'm guessing your optimism comes from the talent that's on the field, right? That everyday lineup. I mean, I wish I wish somebody
2: could hit up Jay Cuda and ask him how many how many lineups last year featured the core at the same time. I don't yeah. imagine more than twenty games. I, you know, and even if they were on the field at the same time, how many of them were hobbled up when they were on the field at the same time?
0: For sure. And think about the way the White Sox started the season. Right? They started the season off pretty strong, at least like the first half of April, right? Like, I mean, they looked good. They looked they were eight and two and then went on like a 10 game losing streak, which they never recovered from. Right. Right. So it's it's weird to think about like how how the season started last year and how it crashed and burned so quickly. Do you think I and I gotta throw this out here too. I know this wasn't in my my questions uh that I threw you earlier, Dan, but Put you on the spot a little bit. Do you think the manager change and, and the personnel, like in regard to coaching in particular, is going to make a significant impact on this 2023
2: team? I think so. He's, he's younger. He's motivated. Uh, he wants to show the Sox what he's got. I think the players want to show him what they've got. You know, and I understand a lot of people love Tony La Russa. He was the, the consummate manager of White Sox baseball in my lifetime. Um, you know, he's a Hall of Famer. It, but, you know, that when you criticize LaRusso, you would always get the he's forgotten more about baseball than you'll ever know. Well, maybe that's the problem. He's
0: forgotten. About baseball.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he had low energy for a young team, and I think he'd high energy.
0: Most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah, and as much as I criticized Ricky Renteria, at least he brought the energy, right? Dude, I'm in
2: the vote for Pedro camp for sure.
0: Oh, vote! I love the Napoleon Dynamite reference there. Vote for Pedro. That's, yeah. I mean, him as well as like, I mean, you have to think about the the turnover of basically the entire staff outside of Daryl Boston, which I have my own problems with. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, you have to think about how basically that entire staff turned over, including the training staff. Yeah. Um. So I'm very excited to see where this team's going, despite the... I'm going to call it a subpar off season in regard to acquisitions. I mean, I mean, if you're, let me put, you, let me ask you, Dan, if you're in recon shoes too, do do you make more moves or, or you, I mean, you're probably handicapped a little bit by Jerry too, but
2: well, a hundred percent, you can only make moves that he's going to allow you to spend the capital on, um, yeah. you know, and he's not going to go bash his boss, the guy who signs his paycheck and tell the media that, you know, he was crippled by, by budget constraints, so, um, you know, that's a, that's a tough job, but, uh, I think, you know, they're going to play it by ear. They're going to hopefully get out in front, um, early. And then when they get to the deadline, we'll see how serious they are. Cause you know, if they get to the deadline and their buyers will, we'll know for sure if, uh, if they intend on pushing all their chips into the middle and going for it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Hope so. Me too. One last question. Elvis Andrews, you like the signing? It, it doesn't move the needle for me. I mean, he
2: brings a veteran
0: presence and whatnot, um,
2: but, you know, they, I don't know. It is what it is, right? Yeah, but, and I mean, yeah.
0: you're, but here's the thing. You're the prospects guy, right, Dan? And you've seen Romy play. You've seen Lenin play. Is Andrews at second base opening day the right move?
2: I would have to imagine that it's the move. Um, but uh, Lenin, um, I love Lenin, man. I am a huge Lenin fan and Romy, I got to tell you when Romy got to uh a, he just looked like an ordinary guy to me. Nothing was special about Romy, but you know, one thing you can't see on baseball reference. One thing you can't see in the box scores is uh, this guy's work ethic. He's an absolute friggin' lunatic. Um, Romy works his ass off. Have you seen like his Instagram and see how jacked he is? He's, he works out like a demon and he's another guy that's a great team guy everybody that i knew uh you know down here they all love Romy. um and he stayed in touch with them when he moved up you know a lot of times when when guys move up they're out of sight out of mind they don't really you know keep in touch they're friends with your teammates you know and when you're not a teammate they kind of uh discard you till they catch up with you again but Romy, uh you know i was having dinner one night with uh with Curbelo and Destino and Evan Skog and uh, and Romy, I think, had just gotten called up to the big leagues. And he was uh, FaceTiming those guys when we were out at dinner. And I thought that was really cool.
0: Oh, no, that's amazing. <laughs> like, that just proves to you, like, how, what kind of guy he is. So I can see why the the comments of as Senior Sox is kind of mocking us here. Uh, untradeable. Um, because those are apparently words that have been muttered in in the front office, um, regarding Romy. So, and yeah, the work ethic is is fantastic too. But ultimately too, you got to feel the ball club that's going to win, right? Um, yeah, our guy Brian here says too that lifetime OPS for Andrus is eighty seven OPS plus. Um, not great, but at the same time, I mean, he's I think moving. First off, I think the shift stuff is really going to help him. I mean, you have to think you basically have a second shortstop in your infield yeah. uh, on an infield that struggled defensively last year. So yeah. that will be n- a nice addition, in my opinion. So,
1: yeah. And I think with Elvis, it's like, I, I totally get what Brian saying here. And I just think you needed that veteran presence just because you don't want too many unknown variables because you already have an Oscar Colas. And to be honest, a lot of the team is unknown because they're always hurt. Right. So Mm -hmm. take less if you could have less unknowns, put a veteran in there that can field. And I know your people say he has never played second before, but second's a whole lot easier than shortstop in the MLB. And Elvis did it pretty good. You know, he he was pretty good shortstop fielding wise. So I think defensively it was the right move offensively. Yeah, he's not the best, but he's going to have a pro veteran approach at the plate. So
2: in that lineup. They're not going to ask him to do much with the bat. Right. Exactly. Yeah. like is a nine hitter. That's fine. Pressure is going to be off of Colas too, because you know, yeah. let him go in there, and they're going to tell him, you know, learn, soak it up like a sponge. We're not relying on you to be our three, four, or five hitter. You're going to hit at the bottom of the order.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, uh, just learn and get better. Absolutely, absolutely. That's a great point. Well, I think that's perfect because our guy Brian here, who is a former guest here on the believe in the south side podcast is hopping off so you will say our goodbyes dan seriously thank you again i know i thanked you like 10 minutes ago but thank you again for seriously giving us your time i know it's getting late it's nine o'clock in your area and you know you know i'll i'll say no more but We really do appreciate it, and I'm very grateful that we've we've stayed in touch throughout these years. We've met in person, obviously, and I'm really hoping that I can get down to, you know, North Carolina again for some ball games to see some young talent.
2: You got to come down, and we'll have a we'll have a great time. We can uh, we can time it where you where you get to see the Hickory Crawdads, man. You got to see that that stadium that their fans are out of their minds, crazy, and it is is a fun experience. Oh my gosh, I can't wait already. So. Yeah. Man. And of course, when we go see them and we're playing against Winston, you know, it's me and my wife versus the, the entire crowd, you know, it's people against us. And, uh, but we have a, we have a great time with their, their, their booster club is just out of their minds. They got all kinds of signs and chants and they do when somebody strikes out, they, they count the steps to the dugout as the guys walk they, they pull up over and under cars for over or under 21. Um, and, uh, it was pretty cool you know danny farquhar is uh walking you know he comes out to the mound they start singing kumbaya when uh when he's on the mound and then when he starts walking back they start they start doing doing the cadence like in the military lift lift, <laughs> lift all right lift and danny would uh stop and pause like in the middle of their chant and stare at him and uh it, it was a it's a good time man you gotta see these guys
0: oh that's hilarious i gotta check this out as somebody that grew up a rockford ice hogs fan it oh, sounds yeah. like like right, right up my experience because that's the uh the blackhawks affiliate in the ahl uh and they're out in in my hometown of rockford illinois and those games get a little a little wild too so i can't i can't wait that that sounds amazing so dan thank you again man seriously i enjoyed it um, I really appreciate having you on Carrie. any other final thoughts.
1: I was just going to say, thanks Dan. I mean, I love, you know, talking White Sox, but sometimes it's nice to not talk about the actual White Sox, you know, players that are on the MLB team, but good to talk about these prospects and some guys coming up and, you know, if we're going to talk to anybody, it's going to be you, Dan. I know you're out there. You watch these guys. I mean, you've housed these guys. So if there's anybody to talk to, that's got the inside scoop on all these guys, it's you. So again, thank you so much for, you know, hopping on with us and, you know, we'll definitely have you on again. I know that for sure.
2: Thanks, man. If anybody wants to inbox me about anything and the the minor league question about anybody, feel free to do so at any time. I like engaging in uh, back and forth and, hearing what you guys think, and and sharing my thoughts as well. So uh,
0: please reach out. Absolutely. Hit up our guy on Twitter in in the DMs. It's at SlyDano70. So S-L-Y-D-A-N-N-O-70. So, Dan, thank you again. We can't thank you enough. Um, We'll definitely stay in touch, and we're looking forward to having you on again in the future. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, Dan. Everybody else, have a good night. Peace.